All right, we got another great episode with the Brooklyn Nets making too many moves to count for one episode. Had to stretch it out over the course of this week. Doug, hit us with the beats. Oh, yeah, we're going to get into the Paul Millsap signing, talk about LaMarcus Aldridge coming back, get a little bit into how these guys are going to sort of end up moving some of the roster situation pieces around as well. It's a packed one. That's making too many moves to count, buddy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just one of, it's one of those things with the team. If right the now. Nets weren't long enough, they certainly got that covered. Now we're going to break it all down right after the theme music. You are locked on Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there is Doug Norrie, DFS expert, DFSR, if you're looking for all those daily fantasy rankings, got you covered for baseball right now, NFL kicking off in just days, my friend. And I am Adam Arbrecht, talking Brooklyn Nets and, of course, covering the New York Football Giants on the One Giant podcast as well. Doug how are we doing as as we I, I don't want to like beat the, the the drum here too heavily when we say, oh, man, what are we going to do in the offseason? Is there going to be enough to talk about? Like the Nets just always hear that episode and they, and they say, all right, all right, we'll make a move. The guys want to make sure they get the people what they want to have. And we got more great players to talk about as the Nets bring in Paul Millsap and a familiar face in LMA. Yeah, this is uh, again the holiday weekend for not for not for the Nets. They well, I guess they get most of this done before the weekend started. Um, so yeah, yesterday's podcast we talked a lot about the, the DeAndre Jordan trade and what that sort of meant for the team, what they sent out, what they got back. Uh, we knew that we didn't really want to pile it together with the Millsap piece because it was just frankly such a busy time that um <laughs> that it warranted its own its own episode. So if you didn't listen to the DJ piece, head back over there and listen to that. Uh, the Millsap thing is is really interesting. I did I, another another one that I just simply didn't think was going to happen if you based it on what you were hearing from the at least the Millsap camp, which was doesn't he wanted like sort of mid-level exception money um and he and we just knew the nets didn't have the money at least prior to the dj trade didn't really have any you know real world mechanism to be able to get him like that because of how, how far they were over the tax but then i guess that went out the window <laughs> because he signed for a vet he signed for the veteran minimum uh to come to the nets and it's just another great signing yeah he's older but this this roster now at this point is so damn deep that we talked about the last episode. They're so deep, we don't even know. They're going to have to cut somebody that you can kind of maybe have been a little excited about at one point. They're like, one of these guys is not going to be on the team because Millsap, from all accounts, is going to vie to start at times for, the, for this team. I hate, At least that's what he was told, according to um, some reporting, that there's a chance that, I don't think it's probably going to happen, but that there's a chance that he has a starting role when it's all said and done. And probably it probably is one of those things where even if it doesn't start at the beginning of the season, something will happen during the course of the season where injuries or blah, blah, blah. We'll probably end up seeing him in the starting lineup, which is another great signing. Yeah, well, when we talk about the idea of, you say, minute shares and stuff, LMA, we're going to get to him a little bit later and what the expectations are for him. When the Nets brought in Blake Griffin, what were the expectations about how many minutes you want a player like that working? You can go inside of Millsap's numbers and see that over the last handful of seasons in his career, he's come down to be a you know mid-20s kind of minutes guy. So I think 
all of this talent is going to say, we, we talked about this over the last couple of years, who's starting? Well, it may be in name only, not so much about what's the most important lineups for closing out games, et cetera. I had done the the emergency podcast when they, when they signed Millsap. I wanted to get your take because just on the surface, when I looked at Millsap, what, what I really saw was like, it's just a model of consistency. His entire career is incredibly consistent from the field, from three, and then when you talk about what you get in a player on the offensive and defensive end, I I just think that what the Nets saw here was an opportunity to bring in a guy that offers an incredible level of reliability, and that's a little bit different than where they came from, say, with DeAndre Jordan, knowing that reliable, but but not where you need him to be. And then even a young player like Nicholas Claxton has all this upside, but you don't know if you're going to get consistency from him. Yeah, so one thing that we talked about with the Nets and how they've gone about constructing the roster, especially over the last year plus, is that the value of having veterans on a championship-level team um, really ends up being so much more valuable than to most other teams because you're not worried about the little mistakes that these guys, you know, you're not you're not having these guys learn it on the fly, right? right. <laughs> like they're not like this is what we saw with Blake Griffin. He's not learning schemes or just general basketball stuff on the fly. The pressure is not a big deal to him because he's been around the league so long that these are just not the things you're going to sit there and sweat out about whether you have it or not in a certain player. It tends to be around guys if you have them when they're young. In terms of your role players, like having these guys as your role players is why it's so important to have you know ex stars that have now embraced a role player role are incredibly valuable to teams like the Nets because you just don't have to worry about it. You don't need to worry about the professionalism, all this stuff. Like there's lots of little boxes that get checked by bringing these kind of guys in. And Millsap's just another one of these guys. Is he at the level, like the all-star level that he at once was when he was sort of like with Atlanta and before, after he had come over from Utah? No, of course not. He was basically out of the playoff rotation for the Nuggets by the end of uh, by the end of their playoff run last year. That's okay because the Nets aren't asking him to be a thirty minute a game wing that takes on huge scoring <laughs> loads and rebounding right. loads. Like that's not going to be what he's asked to do. He's going to be he's not a proxy for Blake because they play different ways, but he can do things. He can play small ball five here. He can shoot the three. It was down a little bit last year. He was two years ago. It's forty four percent from three, though. I don't yeah. think that's coming back. Only two and a half a game, um, but he can step out from beyond the arc and not be a zero. He's been basically a thirty four percent three point shooter for his career. He is a good defender. Um, he can score if you need him to. The Nets will probably not ask him to score that often. Uh, I just thought it was a great signing to get him at the minimum is such a win. It's like, it's like. You can start to see why other teams in the league or other fan bases would start to be getting a little angry with what's happening here, even recognizing that this is not Paul Millsap from six years ago, who was really, really good. That's not this version of him. But if you look at how this team is being constructed now, if you're a fan of anyone else, you're kind of like, what's going on here? The veteran minimum for this guy? (laughs) This is crazy. These guys, but when you're a winning organization, it's it's super advantageous for these guys late in their career to come over here because this is ring chasing. He doesn't have one and this is your best chance. And if you're, he's made tons of money and that mid-level exception money wasn't going to be there then. And you told you might have a chance to start. Like, why wouldn't you come to this team? Well, and by the way, too, because I think you're right. It's like other other fan bases looking, going, come on, this guy could still be X, right? But then when you really think about it, if you're one of these young teams or that's up and coming, well, Paul Millsap, and we said this before about a lot of players, the same thing with Blake Griffin, like, Paul Millsap isn't nearly as valuable to a team playing 35 minutes a game who's trying to what, you know, get into one of the playing game scenarios possibly as opposed to what he means to the Brooklyn Nets. So I think sometimes we do think about the the, the reconstruction of the league and then the super teams form and all these guys want veteran minimum contracts to go 
you know, chase rings, but it's also because they are getting older and your best value is in, is in a smaller sample size. The more you play me, the more likely it is that you expose what some of my deficiencies are and where some of my weaknesses are. So that, that's where I think there's a little bit of a, a difference between what other fan bases say that are in smaller markets or aren't one of the teams vying for a championship versus the reality of how they would feel if they had this player on their team. Uh, and then just to double up there, when you talk about the defensive upside, and you mentioned Blake Griffin, I think the versatility that you get now adding in Paul Millsap, by, even just by Raptor Raider standings, veterans do drop off. He's been a plus the last three seasons, plus 2.8, 1.4, 1.7, specifically on the defensive end, and essentially gives you net neutral on the offensive end. And what you like about things like that is every player that comes to the Brooklyn Nets from an offensive standpoint is going to benefit because you have these superstars on the team, so all your looks get better for you. They get a little more opened up. So you always think that that end of the floor can get a natural uptick. The defensive side is where you want to kind of be able to lean on players like this to step up instead of the superstar for some possessions. And that's what I think Millsap can do for you. Yeah, totally. Like all, I mean, well, playing with Jokic is a pretty good place to be also. I, I, I did have that in the back of my mind. Right. I was like, now he wasn't coming for the worst scenario as far as opening up his offensive game, but. Right, yeah. So it's like, I think he was, they're, they're pretty optimized there in terms of offense and how they run things. But it's fine. Like this is, this is just what you're getting. He's, he might be the best defender of those three guys, of the three older guys that they basically have now. He probably is. He's a little smaller than that group, but that's okay. Um, he's a smaller in terms of height. He's like, he's an absolute load. He is old. He's 36 years old. So I, I want to make sure we pump the brakes on um, about like where we can get excited about his upside. I don't think there's tremendous upside in a guy like Millsap, but that's, again, this is not, he's the, if he's the eighth guy and Paul Millsap's your, you right, something like that. We'll break down the roster later in the week about what we think it's going to be, but that's probably where he ends up. If Paul Millsap's your eighth guy, your team's awesome. Right, like it's just it, that's just the only way to put it. This and and by the well, way, I'm, I'm almost 36, Doug, and I feel like I'm just entering my prime. So oh, you look it too. And if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see that Adam's entering his prime. Uh, make sure you're make sure you're subscribing over to the YouTube channel. Also, all right, we get a little more into the Millsap here. Talk about Aldridge as well. First, gotta talk to you about our friends at Sweatblock. If you've been dealing with Sweatblock, excuse me, not if not been dealing with Sweatblock. If you're dealing with sweating, then you need Sweatblock. And I've been through this kind of stuff. You're up in front of people. You're worried about what shirt you're wearing. You're worried, you know, you're going on. A, I don't go on dates anymore. But back in the day, I'd be worried about the date a little bit. If the sweat was going to th- show through the shirt, I'm giving a presentation as well. Maybe you got to throw an extra shirt on top of it because you're just worried about something getting through. Take all that worry off your plate when you start to use sweat block. It's stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You put it on at night. Uh, you go to bed like you do every single night. You wake up. You just wash up, shower, you're good to go. No more sweating. It's absolutely guaranteed. It can sound too good to be true, but once you use Sweatblock, you're not going to go back. Once or twice a week, and you're good for the whole time. No more picking out shirts based on which one's going to hide the sweat better. If you or someone you love is dealing with it, check out Sweatblock right now. Go to Sweatblock.com. Grab 20% off if you use the promo code Locked On, or you can head over to Amazon or CVS. They have it there as well. But help us out by going to sweatblock.com. Grab 20% off with that promo code locked on sweatblock.com. And if you're tired of getting killed by daily fantasy sports experts, don't play the experts. Play the house with Stat Hero. Here's how it works you go over to Stat Hero where they'll show you their lineups and dare you to beat them. It's you against the house in a head to head fantasy matchup. Your name, you name the stakes. Winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineup ahead of time. No one else does that. 
I like that I wish Doug would show me some behind the curtains of how he prepares himself for the day. But he won't. It's all a secret, and I just have to see him come out looking like a gentleman. You can go over there and get everything that you need as you're in total control. Stat Heroes DFS is the way it was meant to be one-on-one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Sign up for free. And right now, you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you 300% match. As, and that is unheard of, of course, as we say. Go to stathero.com slash locked on, stathero.com slash locked on. All right. So I have a question about like the, uh, the and we'll get, we'll get to Aldridge here in a second. But mm-hmm. the, you were, what you were saying about Millsap before made me start to think about where the market is for these guys later in their career, right? Because if you were the Orlando Magic and you spent a mid level exception on Paul Millsap, the Magic fans would be like, well, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Like why, <laughs> right? And they, and he yeah. would also never go there. So I, I totally get it. But do you think we're in this version and if this like small windowed version, and this is why we're seeing it happen with the Nets and frankly the Lakers too. Where uh, I I sent out a tweet the other day about how how many former All Stars from like 2014, or like seven, <laughs> right. like, there's like nine guys that were All Stars in 2014 that are on one of these two teams right now. So, and 2015 was basically the same thing. It was a, the differences. And by the way, half the All-Stars from that year are just out of the league. And then the, almost all the rest right. of them were on the Nets and the Lakers. Do you think we're just in this very weird, like, championship or bust window with some of these guys? And there just happen to be two teams that are so far above the rest? Because this is sort of unprecedented. And Paul Millsap is just another example of this, of like how this team construction. We've really kind of never seen this happen before. And I'm wondering if you think it's a blip because of just who happens to be on these two teams, the Nets and the Lakers? Or do you think that this is sort of what ends up kind of happening going forward? Because um, it's, it's, it is a very yeah. weird situation. Yeah, and I think I'll say blip because it's going to be very rare that you end up with an opportunity to have Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. Like that, those level of players. We've, ta- we've talked about it before. Where do they rank in the hierarchy of best players in the league? Fine, hit you with the numbers. It's a pretty elite group out there in L.A. Wherever Russell Westbrook is, he's probably, the, not probably, he is the lowest among these these two teams. But you have LeBron James. You have Anthony Davis. Like, there's a lot of things that have to coalesce in order to make these type of situations and teams happen and then offer opportunities for veterans to want to come and play there. So, you know, mar- market matters. It's not just about a team that has enough money. Like Oklahoma City could have enough money. doesn't mean they're bringing together a group of stars like this. And obviously Golden State had their run of time with this. I, it, I think it could bubble up again in another handful of years, but you need the highest level, most elite players to want to go and play with one another. It's not just an automatic that these guys are all on the same page and like one another's games and like each other off the court, etc. I I also think that if you want to take, I don't know if this is a, a negative view of the league, but there's certain demographics of players. There are, like Millsap, uh, LMA. These guys were at the top of their game at one point, but there are the elite of the elites that are basically going to be incredible their entire careers until they retire. Then there's all the young players that want to make a name for themselves and get their paycheck. And then there's guys that are great championship-level contributors that are going to play their way through some pretty nice teams. Maybe they'll be there for a championship, maybe not. But they're never going to be the the last, you know, the key figure in any of those runs. That's what I think. You look at Millsap's career and where he bounced around from. I think he's had a lot of opportunities to maybe be a part of something like that, and it hasn't worked out for various reasons. This, I think, is the way that the league is maybe always 
kind of been constructed, even if we didn't realize it. And this season is giving that example of, yeah, if you're a veteran guy of a certain skill set, you want to trend towards the better teams. You don't want to be playing it out, making a little extra money after you've cashed a lot of your checks. And you you do want to have that last thing, a championship ring before you retire. Yeah, and I think that's what we're, we're seeing. It. I agree with you that it's probably a blip, but it's something that can probably be cyclical too. At some point, mm-hmm. it can, or you know, or it can kind of ebb and flow. Um, we just we're at a very interesting sort of inflection point with where the NBA is right now in terms of superstar talent and how it's basically <laughs> coagulated, um, you know, come together on these two teams in a way that we just haven't really seen before. I mean, kind of saw it with the Warriors, but that was be that was just one team and they were kind of set with what they were doing, right? Like they were so much better for the, that run that they were on the, basically than everyone else that, and they were just, they were adding and, some and drafted players by the way too, right? Like their core w- was a collection of drafted talent. So I think that it, that built in a different way. Yeah, exactly. And so they weren't, you know, I you know some people are going to call this like mercenary sort of like um, signings because, and, and, and I guess by the very definition, that would be sort of correct, but it also, when you're 36 years old and, and you only have a few more bites of the apple, like what, you know, where else are you going to go? That's why Paul Millsap <laughs> right. was only considering a few teams. Warriors were one of them. Nets were another one. And yeah, he's still going to ask for the most money as possible. And but if another team like the I don't know, I'm like the Blazers, right? That's a, I'm not saying the Blazers weren't in the in the hunt here, but if the Blazers come calling, like if you're Paul Millsap, you might say, yeah, I could do that. Maybe I can make a little more money. Blazers just a random example, um, but I can maybe make a little more money. But for what? Right, because yep. that's not gonna. I'm not gonna put them over the top, and they're not there right now. So I can kind of see the writing on the wall how this is going to go. So at that point, the Nets make a lot of sense, and it's just so funny about how many guys this has worked out for the Nets for now, right? With Blake yeah. and Aldridge and Millsap, and not really Patty Mills, but kind of right because that's a little that's a little bit different. But all these guys now just come, coming over, twilight of their career. They're on the downside of the curve, but still plenty left in the tank for what the Nets need them for. And now, you know, like I said about them adding Millsap, now they're just completely loaded up. And it is that weird thing of like, no, you're valuable. And it's like we said about on last episode about DeAndre, like you're valuable. You're just valuable at a very specific price point. And then it's just and then I think it's just about decision making. And if you're any of these veteran players, I, I you just have to look at it and say, I mean, it's, it's your choice, by the way. You could go cash another couple of checks or you have an opportunity to win a championship. And I, and I think play. And by the way, these guys were talking, we're going to LMA here in a minute. These are guys that have accomplished a lot in their careers where it makes it easier to approach this opportunity later than maybe some other guys who still feel like they have things they want to prove individually. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. And getting these guys even at this point in their career is just so like, I can't want to beat this drum all season. You're going to see this all season. We saw it with Blake having the veteran guys that you just know can step in and be contributors that are going to be, and Blake played a totally different version of himself than he played other other points in his career. He was sort of like the, you know, young scrappy, get it on the floor, mix it up with the other guys and, and, and kind of be a little bit of a heel. Um, and it worked perfectly. I don't think that's going to happen with either of these two other guys at all, because they're just different personalities and, um, and that's just not how their games go, but it doesn't matter because you're bringing in these veteran presents that are just so, they're just time tested. Has Paul Millsap won a championship? No, but yeah. that, some of that just kind of comes down to a little bit of luck, right? That Atlanta, those Atlanta teams he was on was on were very, very good, really good regular season teams for a long time. Um, they happened to just 
be also be in the East when LeBron <laughs> was in the East. And and if if, if, if you you know it's like one of those things. It's like oh, did you make it to the championship when you were in in this year? Were you on LeBron's team? And then it just goes right to no, <laughs> right? And so like so if you're on LeBron's <laughs> team, it goes to yes. And you say if you weren't on LeBron's team, you you didn't you you didn't get to the championship. And that's where he was um, with Atlanta. And then with Denver, did they get close? Close? No, but they were you know. East or Western Conference championship close, and that's getting pretty darn close there. So this is a guy that we know can sort of play at these levels. And I just think it's it's one of these things, like I said at the beginning, I just find it to be so funny that we're in a world where the Nets, it's funny, going back to that podcast we did, like I did two weeks ago, where I just talked about the Nets roster turnover over two seasons. And yeah. one, if you didn't listen to that podcast, the cliff notes are there's one guy from two years ago on the team, Joe Harris. <laughs> Every single other guy on the team is totally different at this point. Um, so you're just rooting for you're rooting for a whole new cast of characters. But if you and the Millsap thing kind of put the 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 button on this, but if you had two years ago said, Hey, the Nets are gonna have Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Paul Millsap, Patty Mills, Joe Harris, Lamarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, you would have thought like Oklahoma City and like Orlando folded, <laughs> right? They just, they, they, right. Like, they just like two teams just got wiped off the map, so they had to reconfigure the league a little bit because we have two fewer teams. There's no other way they're that playing we, seven guys on the court at a time. Now. That's how they, we changed. We changed the whole the whole scheme here. Was, if you if you put that list in front of somebody two years ago and said, and and Millsap was really where I finally kind of like it kind of hammered home to me, you would have thought that the league contracted. There's no other way. This, the, yeah. the, the, the talent level for these, this, this team right now is just sort of, un, it's totally unprecedented. No, it's, it's, it's also that thing too, I think perceptually, right? I mean, we're going to get to LMA, obviously the health concerns, but even a guy like Millsap, like it feels like we've always talked about this guys that have names, like Blake Griffin was this when they got him on the buyout, right? You're bringing in a, a name and we were pumping the brakes to everyone saying, this isn't Blake Griffin lob city days. It's going to be something different. Now he found a great role for himself, but I think sometimes when you were, when you when you were big enough, when you were good enough in the league to have a pretty high profile, then as you do start to get older and your game does start to regress a little bit or you're going to settle into a more support role, all the, the 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 perception, right? The perception reality of who these guys are and what they are again is influenced by. So when you say 2 years ago, right? All of these guys 2 years ago, you'd be like, "Holy cow, watch out." Now, still very dangerous, but very much a different version of what that sure. would have been if they all met up in Team X two or three seasons ago when you felt like these guys still had a lot left in the tank and starting minutes left in the tank. And 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 I kind of mean that and I and I know what you're saying and it's just mostly like these are right. They're all still just names, right? We knew they weren't all going to retire. Yeah, like, these guys yeah. weren't on the retirement track. They're just kind of getting a little older. It's just so funny that they all landed. They're all going to be in Brooklyn now. Okay. I'll uh, get a little Aldridge talk here in a second. First, talking about our friends over at Rock Auto. Look, you've been to a local car place um, when it comes to buying car parts. They have a computer. You have a computer. They type in the make and model of your car. You can type in the make and model of your car. You, they just go to a drop-down menu looking at the parts. You can go to a drop-down menu looking at the parts. What I'm getting at here is do not go to those local places. Go to rockauto.com. You're doing all the same things they're doing over there, except you're going to get 30 even 50% better prices at Rock Auto for all your car part needs. It's a family-run business. They've been do, serving doing it yourself for over 20 years. Reliably low prices for every customer. You don't have to like know someone in the local joint to get a better deal. No, you're just getting good, reliably low prices over at Rock Auto, and they have everything you need for your car truck brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpets, everything you can think of 
over at rockauto.com. All you have to do when you go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and then write locked on in the how did you hear about us box, and they'll know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And so, yeah, I, listen, we're going to be curious to see how, how Paul Millsap fits in, and we're going to get into that over the course of this week because now rotations and rosters and, and what does it mean for guys we maybe were higher on last year, all of a sudden uh, they take a very much diminished role. On the other side of it is a guy that, well, you know, you mentioned it in, in Blake Griffin being a guy that reformed himself when he came to Brooklyn. Paul Millsap isn't going to reform himself in Brooklyn. He's going to be the same player that he was, I, I believe. Likewise, LaMarcus Aldrich, when he first came over prior to retiring and having the health concern, he said the reason that he was attracted to Brooklyn was because Sean Marks and Steve Nash said, we want you to come in and play your game, which is a game and a style that is maybe aging out of the league. But he liked the fact that he was going to be able to do what he does well and not be asked to become something different because I don't think he's capable of it. We can get into that, I guess, in a second. How surprised were you that he ends up coming back? I guess that's probably the, the, the biggest piece is he ends up getting cleared and makes the choice to come back after what really felt like a difficult but comfortable decision for him to say, I'm not risking my health to come back in and you know play another season or two. Yeah, one-year contract, $2.6 million is what Aldridge signs for after getting cleared. Uh, I think we talked about it here. The second I heard that he was cleared, I was like, he's going to be a net. I, I was convinced of that one um, because I think you were too. It just seemed too obvious. He had the all the talk around how the all the stuff that he had said afterwards, directly after having um, the heart issue come up and knowing that he had to retire and how painful it was, he was nothing but complimentary about how supportive the entire Nets crew was for a time for a thing that was clearly disappointing for them because that he came in right away and start remember if you go back to last year when they signed him he was a it was a done deal that he was going to Miami by all reporting yep. the, the reporting and said he was he was headed to Miami basically and then it pivoted right away and he just and he went to the Nets and I think it was part of what what you said about what Mark said and then they said to him you're going to start here right you're going to come in <laughs> right. and you're going to start you're going to be the starting center because he started right away he played played five games started them played really pretty well um but as soon as I heard that he had been cleared, I was 100% convinced that he was going to be a net because I just thought, like, where else would you go? He was so complimentary to the team. He knew it was going to work. He knew he had a role there, to especially, too, if he was worried about something else happening again and knowing they were going to be supportive of it again. Nothing else made sense. So I would have bet big money from the time we heard that he was medically cleared. If you had had the ability to bet this somewhere, I would have bet a lot that he was that the Nets would have been the team because I just thought it made just too much sense that he was going to end up being back in Brooklyn. Yeah, too much goodwill, too much positive experience to say, and now I'm coming back and I'm going to explore the open market. Like, and he understands where where he is in his career as well. The interesting thing I think would be that after the scare and the addition of Millsap and the way that this roster looks, now you do have you had Blake Griffin there last year, but Blake Griffin has identified this new role. I wonder what the conversations were between Sean Marks and, and LMA and kind of saying, we, you know, are you earmarked to start? Well, maybe. It's going to be a flexible role. Let, let's just live inside this reality that we're bringing you in. As we said, we're going to get into the full scope of the roster, but specifically just around the new additions. I wonder if, if LaMarcus also came in kind of saying, and to your point, if something did pop up, I feel like Brooklyn kind of comes in with open eyes saying, if something happens, we're fine if you end up needing to retire again. But when you do walk back in the door, it may look a little bit different than what expectations were last year. Because I think even then, 
the Nets didn't know what Blake Griffin was yet, and you didn't know the other pieces that were going to fall over the course of this offseason. So it probably takes a little bit of pressure off of him as well. Like, you get to come back in a place that felt comfortable last year, and the expectations aren't going to be as high as they were last year for you, where they said, you're coming in to replace DeAndre Jordan and to be the center for us as we go on a championship run. Oh, right, exactly. And... Again, we didn't know what we were going to get out of Blake at that time. He was coming off the bench. He clearly was not told he was going to start when he came in. He didn't start when he first came in, so that was not part of the expectation. The Aldridge thing, like I said, he played five games, started five games, was good when he played 12, 13 points, uh, almost five rebounds uh, a game. Didn't take a ton of threes, which I thought was a little surprising based on sort of how he'd been trending a little bit over the last a uh, couple years in San Antonio, but that could have just been small sample size. Still was taking 10 shots a game, was able to get into the block, uh, and he's obviously a pretty good scorer. He's got a nice, real, really nice fadeaway, just really high release. It's, he's kind of hard to defend down there uh, when you have him one-on-one, especially with a smaller guy. So I think we just kind of see that role again. I think you're probably correct in the assessment on what the conversation, how the conversation looked this time compared to last time. They're just at a different point in time now with where the team is, especially with the front court. Right. He's the last of these guys to come in, right? Because Blake's already there. They signed Millsap first and, um, and sorry, Blake was there, Millsap first, and then Lamar Aldridge is the third one. So he knows that the, it's at least more crowded now. And the fact that we saw what we got from Blake in the playoffs means that at least to start Blake, deserves to walk in as the starter based on what happened last year. You would yeah. think just from an optic standpoint, you would think that you would say, Hey, especially if we're not worried about the games early on in the season, <laughs> right. you really were great in the playoffs for us and exactly what we needed at the time. And that earns you a starting job out of the gate. And we'll kind of see how it goes. And maybe it's going to be matchup dependent and we want to keep everyone healthy. And so we're going to see a lot of minute shares here over the course of a season, because I think that has to be a real operating point for the nets. Um, so, yeah, it will be interesting to see how it plays. I'm sure we're just going to know based on sort of like training camp and stuff like that, too. The Nets, I think, will be sort of forthright with how that's going to play out. Um, questions about the other guys, the younger guys, I'm not sure. But I think for at least for these three, um, I'm sure this this had to have been talked about. And funnily enough, for for LaMarcus Aldridge, for Millsap, for, for Blake coming back, for all these guys, again, the one thing that will seem familiar to last year is how do these pieces all fit together? Like, and it was different guys. We're talking about getting Kevin Durant back on the court last season, but the Nets are probably still going to go through some of that aspect of, okay, what works best? What are the combinations that we like the most? And how do we, how do we maximize just like we did with Blake? How do we maximize the value of these veteran players and also balance it over the course of an 82 game season and make sure that the, the biggest value comes in the playoffs. So I think, you know, we've talked about all this turnover and trying to find the right pieces that fit. It's going to be interesting to see how training camp and the start of the regular season plays out to say, how long will the Nets go into it before we feel like we have a real sense of defined roles, defined expectations, and then it's just saying, now let's get through healthy. Yeah, and the health has to be the major concern. I think you have to worry a little bit about player development. Uh, we're definitely going to talk about this later in the week, is that so while we've been cheerleading all these moves, and I'm look, we're on board with every single one of these moves. These moves are great. Millsap, A plus signing, getting Aldridge back, total A plus signing, getting off the EJ's contract. Somehow they did it, total A plus, right? So all these moves have been great. One thing we haven't talked about the last couple episodes is what happens to some of these young guys because we've been wanting to see extended runs out of Nick Claxton. I, that frankly, we're gonna spend like almost a. a maybe a whole podcast talking about this. What happens to Nick Claxton now? This is yeah. like a big question. What happens to Daron Sharp? Where, like where there's only 240 minutes in a basketball game. 
I mean, well, that, there's 240 player minutes for your team. You have 240 minutes for an NBA basketball team to fill um, for your five players. That's just that's not enough <laughs> to develop to <laughs> right. develop to develop some of these guys along any kind of realistic timeline. So it definitely it's just gonna be something that warrants a longer discussion. But there's real question marks around these young guys now, specifically Claxton. Claxton. I'm not sure what his future is. Um, and so that's, that's for another day, but it's going to be interesting to see how that, some of that stuff starts to play out. And it, yeah, because he's the guy that had big minutes last year, as we know, he's going to be the first name that we get into, but then even where we started following the draft and, and all this young talent that yep. now looks very different. Once you add in all these other veteran players as well. So as quickly as you analyze one possibility for the season, we now need to add in this other layer and figure out in a very positive way, as you said, how the nets manage all, all of the different expectations and development across the board all right we're gonna get out of here like i said we're back later in the week talking more about the Nets, the nets roster construction the <laughs> combined the, the reds i don't think the reds would have played as well in my uh, honestly in the, it just wouldn't have been an attractive spot for a lot of these stars in the meantime a couple things you do to help out the podcast first subscribe to our youtube channel we're gonna have mm-hmm. all of our episodes going up on youtube the link will be in the show notes so make sure you go over check out our mugs over on youtube like i said every single episode will be up there as well uh, and if you're still just listening on your your phone wherever you listen to podcasts make sure you like and subscribe there leave a review numbers have been stayed really strong over the off season uh just a really really exciting time here in locked on nets between the youtube the numbers all of it there and we're really appreciative of everyone that's been listening and jumping on new as well. The way you help is you like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. The Brooklyn Nets have gotten older and better this offseason. I look forward to being older when what you look like becomes less and less an issue and what you are is the point. Susie Sarandon. Oh, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again later in the week talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.